The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Welcome to Passion, a show all about love, sex, and relationships. I'm Dr. Lori Petito. I'm a clinical psychologist specializing in sex and marital therapy. So if you have questions on this Trouble Tuesday, I spend the whole hour answering those questions. Some of you send them to me by email, which is great. You can do that anytime to lori at drlori.com. You can also text me at 514-800. And uh, as well, if there's anything, uh, you know, you want to add something to a question that I've answered, you have your own experience you want to share, I find it helpful. I think our listeners find it very helpful, those who send in their questions as well, and then we can all uh, learn something from each other. 514-800, once again, for the numbers. So here goes. Uh, My boyfriend is very well endowed, which is great, but we've been in search of a condom that actually fits for a while now with no luck. I've looked up this issue in online forums, and it seems that there are very few inexpensive solutions out there. Lambskin condoms for one. By the way, lambskin condoms don't protect against STIs, but they do protect against pregnancy. Um, I'm on the pill, but he would feel more secure with more protection. Any good suggestions for this or any specific brands, sex shops, or websites that specialize in larger sizes? I would appreciate any feedback. So if anybody else... um, if anybody has an option for this or, or knows where to get, then, then please uh, let us know. Uh, so I know that, for example, the company One, O-N-E, uh, One Condoms, has like a size, a fitter, whatever. I, I, they have like, I don't remember how many it was, but at least a dozen different sizes that you can order condoms uh, in whatever size. So some companies do offer... Uh, a, a wide, wide variety of sizes in in their condoms. The best might be to go to a sex shop, like a large sex shop, who, that have all different kinds of condoms that come from all over, because you may not be able to find it, the regular ones, like in the pharmacy, for example. It may have to be uh, a bit more specialized, possibly. Uh, so it, it might uh, might be a good idea to um, to go have a talk with them, and they usually uh, they usually could offer quite a bit of information regarding that. But otherwise, check out one so one condoms and uh, and see if you could find it online. I'll have to look it up myself, but uh, I'm sure they have like a a measurer or, or what have you to tell you which size condoms you should buy. Uh, Dr. Lori, oh no, this, uh, I think we had this question before. You asked it that night uh, about the empath and you said, you know, this woman was claimed she was a vampire and BDSM dominant. Um, we answered that question already. Maybe you didn't answer, but you can listen to, uh, the podcast. One thing has nothing to do with the other, really. Uh, last night's show was really uh, was really um, uh, eye opening, I think, and and I think helpful for a lot of people. We talked about uh, people pleasing, and I just want to share a couple of texts that came in late. Uh, caregiving for family, the most perfect and imperfect task for a people pleaser. You know what? It's difficult when you're caregiving for family that 
when you were growing up, you felt you were not getting. So oftentimes people pleasers evolve into people pleasers because they spent their youth um, trying to uh, to get the approval of a parent or to to overly please a parent because they might have felt that they did they would only be loved if they did certain things. So imagine that person who then has to care for a parent that they found to be un- unloving or abusive or what have you, puts them in, in quite the uh, dilemma. Uh, and you have to, I loved what one texter wrote in uh, last night, which was about self-honoring. You need to self-honor and practice self-compassion, which is a uh, really, really important. I know there's a lot to say uh, about about this topic, and I know many of you are probably find yourselves in that situation. If you missed the show, you can always listen to the podcast uh, of that show. Uh, if you just go to my website, drlaurie.com, and you click on the uh, Passion Radio, you'll see all the shows on the, le- on the right-hand side. <coughs> They're all podcasted there, so you can download them and, and listen to them at your, uh, at your leisure. Uh, what conditions cause premature menopause? Uh, premature menopause, of course, uh, can be the result of, of various factors, like could be genetics sometimes, uh, could be uh, some disorder that you have, like an autoimmune disorder. It could also be the result of a uh, medical uh, procedure as well. It could be... Um, uh, like ovarian failure, some some women experience premature ovarian uh, failure, and when there's when there's um, when estrogen and progesterone are no longer being produced by the ovaries because they have failed uh, or they're not working uh, efficiently, uh, it can throw somebody into premature um, menopause because your ovaries stop releasing those eggs. So it's considered premature before the age of uh, 40. So something you would want to check with a gynecologist, of course. Then there's if you have your ovaries surgically removed for a medical reason, for example, if you've had endometriosis or a a cancer, a uterine cancer or something like that, uh, then that can happen. Menopause can be induced also from uh, caused by uh, radiation or chemotherapy. So people who undergo uh, chemotherapy or the medications uh, following chemotherapy could induce um, could da- damages the the ovaries and and could induce uh, premature menopause as well. Otherwise, most women will be go through menopause, which is technically one year without a period would be you'd be in menopause. Women can be in perimenopause for like 10 years before that. So where women will notice that their uh, periods are out of whack and you know things aren't functioning exactly the same way. Uh, but generally by 55 or so, women are in menopause and they experience uh, a symptom. Some women experience many symptoms and, and some don't experience uh, symptoms at all or very few, like hot flashes and night sweats are the ones that are the most common, um, which can happen even before you completely stop uh, having uh, having your period. So 
Of course, things happen to your vagina during menopause, which is why you have to take care of your vagina, uh, estrogen treatments for like internal estrogen treatments. So you wouldn't be taking hormones orally, but you would be putting them in your vagina, uh, which have uh, really uh, great results for keeping the elasticity and, and maintaining uh, some estrogen production there, or at least the estrogen in there will keep the vagina elastic and uh, and moist and will prevent it from uh, atrophying and meaning like like shrinking or or the the um, vaginal tissues becoming too thin as well which uh, in some women complain that uh, intercourse becomes painful because of this so there are things you can do if you don't want to do the hormonal treatment you can try non-hormonal uh, creams that go in the vagina one of them that comes to mind is uh, gynotroph uh, is a non-hormonal one that you can get over the counter. Uh, one person called, uh, texted and said, did that person try the store La Capoterie? They must have something. So La Capoterie, basically, uh, une capote is a, a slang word in French for a condom. Uh, they've been around for a very long time. I, I think they're still in the same location, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I can't remember if they're on Sherbrooke or St. Catherine, but they're downtown. Uh, so La Capoterie, look, look them up and they're just like mega specialists in, uh, in condoms. Uh, coming up, answering a question about a vibrator and can it cause infection? A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Answering your questions tonight, uh, 514-800. Actually, somebody just texted in, La Capoterie is on Saint-Denis. Thank you. I haven't been there in a long time, so uh, it's on Saint-Denis. La Capoterie. I, I just Drew wants to ask the question, what's wrong with KY jelly? You never seem to mention it. KY jelly is, uh, any jellies are my least favorite lubricants to recommend simply because they dry out really fast. It's fine. The KY jelly is what gynecologists will use to do an internal exam. An internal exam is seconds. It's like they put it on their finger, they go in just to help uh, slide in and put, or put it on the speculum and that's it. For sex, though, or for intercourse, it dries up. So there are so many better ones out there now. Actually, KY, the company, makes one called KY Liquid, which is in a, like a, a small bottle. It doesn't look like a toothpaste tube. And it's very, very slippery, much more slippery, and it lasts a whole lot longer. Astroglide is another one. These are still water-based, but they are... Uh, um, a much slippier, slipper, slippier, what the heck, what, whatever the word is, more slippery. Uh, and silicone ones are, are even a grade up, if you ask me. Uh, and they last a lot longer. They feel like oil, but they're not oil. They're, uh, they're silicone based. Uh, so you can try those, uh, those different ones. I have a reoccurring infection and I believe it comes from my vibrator. The vibrator is made of jelly, vinyl, or silicone. It makes a difference whether it's jelly, vinyl, or silicone. It is suggested that it be washed with soap and warm water, which I do before and after each use, but it seems that it is not enough. What other product could I use to clean it? So going to a... Um, 
you're, you you can go to a sex shop there too, and they'll they'll show you which products are good for whether it's a, made of a jelly, vinyl, or silicone. I would recommend silicone vibrators. It's a better material, maybe a bit more expensive. If you want a um, if you're looking for a dildo and not one that vibrates, like just one for penetration, uh, the ones that clean the best are the glass dildos. So glass dildos can go right into your dishwasher. Of course, I'm, you, know, you don't want your kids emptying the dishwasher for you, but uh, but they wash uh, really, really well. And soap and water is just as good for, for those. But jelly ones or vinyl ones could, they break down over time. So you've got to be careful. And yes, it can uh, definitely cause some uh, uh, some infection or something. Is it possible for, wait, two, four women to have two different kinds of orgasms, not vaginal and clitoral? For example, sometimes I'll have a clear release climax. Other times during intercourse, it feels so amazing and I'm moaning and really enjoying and after can feel quite satisfying, but not sure if that counts as orgasm. It doesn't necessarily have to count as an orgasm. It counts as pleasure. And that's all you, that's all you should care about is the pleasure. So the majority of women need that clitoral stimulation to reach orgasm. So you will probably reach complete, like a, you'll feel the orgasm with the clitoral stimulation, which will probably happen, uh, during, uh, um, oral sex or manual stimulation. But what you're experiencing is you can get a great deal of pleasure from intercourse. It just doesn't mean you may not have an, a, a, an orgasm at that point. But that doesn't mean you don't have, it's not pleasurable and you don't enjoy it and, and so forth. So if you want to increase your chances of having an orgasm during intercourse though, you would have to practice different positions for you that put more pressure on the clitoral area. So, uh, or to where your partner or yourself has access to manually stimulate the clitoris at the same time as you're having intercourse. So whether it's through the back, whether if you're in missionary style, for example, you can, um, you can put like, um, like a Nerf ball or, a uh, like a, one of those squishy balls, you know, the like tension balls, you can put that between the two pelvises, uh, to be able to uh, like have a, a, um, a more, um, grinding effect there, like more pressure there. And that would, uh, that would work as well. So just enjoy the ride, you know, uh, another text to write says silicone based lube saved my sex life a hundred percent. Yeah. Silicone based lube is great. And it is, uh, it's, it really is an enhancer and I recommend lube for everybody. It's just, it's a sexual enhancer, but for those people who are, uh, like menopausal, postmenopausal, who have a tendency for dryness, uh, then that is a really good, um, a good option. Great option. Uh, let's see. I listen to your show regularly. I'm 75 years old. I live in Montreal half the time. My question, uh, in the last few months after I get an erection and penetrate my wife, the erection subsides in two or three minutes and I take Viagra, but it does little to help. 
I see here advertised for a suction apparatus called Post-T-Vac, which develops an erection in four minutes, and they claim it lasts for 30. What is your opinion? So a couple things going on here. So you get, the, you get an erection. That's great. You have a strong enough erection to penetrate. That's great. So the erection subsides in two, three minutes. I'm wondering, does the erection subside after ejaculation or not? So I'm assuming not. I'm assuming you haven't gotten there uh, yet. What you can do and what the, the suction apparatus does actually is the same thing. It just draws the blood into the penis so you get the erection. The key, though, is to trap the erection, trap the blood in the penis. So what they recommend when you get these, um, these apparatuses, these pumps, for example, is you then get a silicone ring. So it's, it's like a tight, it's a, it looks, feels hard, the ring, but it stretches. And you put that at the base of your penis to trap the blood. And yes, you can use that for 20 to 30 minutes. So it will maintain that erection for 20 or 30 minutes if you use that. And that's really what they're talking about. So it's not whether you use Viagra, which obviously works for you to get the erection. You don't, if you use the pump, you don't have to use the Viagra because what you're doing is you're just drawing out the blood and then trapping it. So, um, and this is for men too, who don't even use medication. You don't even have to, if you tend to lose your erection quicker, you can also use these penis rings. Um, they come in different sizes, obviously, uh, but they stretch and they feel tight and uh, around the base of the penis. Just don't keep it there for more than 30 minutes because you, you want you want to, you don't want it to, I don't want to say fall off, but it's like, it's like stopping circulation somewhere, right? You don't want to stop the circulation for too long. If you have any questions for me tonight on this Trouble Tuesdays, feel free to text in at 514-800, or if you have your own comments that you want to uh, give to some of our, uh, our texters who have written in questions or our listeners, or you want to offer your own little uh, anecdotes or, or things that uh, that you can relate to, then we'd love to hear from you. You can, of course, also call in at 514-790-0800. Uh, let's see. I have a bit of white on the shaft of my penis. I don't think it's smegma. When I press it, it hurts like a pimple. It is only a tiny bit. What should I do? Okay, so that you're talking about two different things. Smegma is the, this, it's the stuff that's basically found in uncircumcised, uh, men, the, what collects in the foreskin, which, you know, you pull, when you clean, you pull back the foreskin and, and you clean. So that, that wouldn't be, that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about a pimple. You can get pimples, on the shaft of your penis, believe it or not, uh, you can get, uh, they're called little papules. There's nothing really to do. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't squeeze it. I wouldn't uh, do anything. The only thing is though, you want to rule out if it is not an STD, like a wart instead. So you want to make sure it's not HPV or something like that. So if you've had unprotected sex, uh, then you might want to have that, uh, might want to have that tested. 514-800 uh, to text in. 
Uh, other emails that I've received. I am a 28-year-old male. I'm currently in a relationship that is one month old. The only problem we are experiencing so far is the fact that my erection disappears while I am rolling the condom down. It has been suggested that she stimulate me orally while I unwrap the condom. She does not enjoy this. We are both very frustrated. I can make her orgasm orally when this happens, but it isn't enough. How can I fix this problem? Well, you can always maintain um, stimulation manually as well. It doesn't have to be orally, but she can continue to stimulate you manually as, as you put on the condom. You've got to keep finding ways to, uh, to keep aroused during the unwrapping phase or unwrap the condom ahead of time and then, uh, you know, place it on top of the wrapper and have it ready for, for when you need it. That's a possibility as well. I know it can be a pain, but uh, you have to find ways around that if you want to play safe, which you should be doing. Do you have questions for me on uh, this uh, Trouble Tuesdays? I answer questions about love, sex, and relationships. Uh, Coming up, a question about uh, frequent masturbation. Is this a problem? Get that question an awful lot as well. It seems there's quite a few people with this very same problem. So I'll answer that coming up. And any other questions that you have, you can call in as well at 514-790-0800 or 514-800 to text in. Right now, let's check in with our CJED 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Answering your questions on this uh, Trouble Tuesday tonight on the program, 514-800 to text in. So this text writes in, Hi, I masturbate four times per day to porn. Is there something wrong with me and how do I stop? So the fact that you're writing in and you're asking me, how do I stop, tells me that maybe you are distressed by your behavior, uh, by this habit. So that that becomes a problem. Like if we're talking about addiction, I'd ha- you know I'd want to find out from you how do you feel after you do it? Do you feel uh, badly? Do you feel shame? Do you feel guilt? Um, how is this interfering in your day-to-day life? Is it inter- is it stopping you from going out and being with a partner? Is it stopping you in your relationship so you're not having sex because you're masturbating too much? How do you get through the day? Can you are, are you doing this at work? Are you thinking about when the next time is that you're going to masturbate again or get to watch porn? Uh, how much time do you spend on porn? Are you, is it four times a day, five minutes, or is it an hour each time? So you could be doing a lot more things with your time. But then I would want to know, there's an, you know, often an underlying reason for compulsive masturbation and porn watching. Are you an anxious person? Are you avoiding something? Um, you know, when we talk about any kind of addiction, we kind we talk about it as a disease of disconnect. So it's a way for us not to connect to others. So you'd want to look into this for sure. 
especially because it does seem to be distressing to you. So um, I would recommend um, Chabad Lifeline, C-H-A-B-A-D, Lifeline. They are a building next to the Jewish General Hospital. They're a community organization that deals with all kinds of addiction, including sex addiction. And uh, I would give them uh, give them a call. If this is something that is distressing you, then you definitely uh, need to uh, need to look into this. How come I used to have orgasms with me on top, but now I seem to get them in other positions, especially missionary, and yet my boyfriend prefers me on top? Well, what you what women enjoy at one time in their life may change at another time. So why not quite sure why that might be happening? It just is. So clearly you, uh, other positions are offering you more of the stimulation that you need. And this is what you have to explain to your partner. So yes, you can, you can start off maybe being on top and switch positions along the way so that you get into a position where it feels the best for you. If your goal is to have, uh, to have the orgasm, but generally speaking, women will feel pleasure throughout. It's up to you whether you want to end with an orgasm or not. Like I know a lot of people think, oh, well, what's the point if you don't have an orgasm, but especially for women, the pleasure is the point. It doesn't, it doesn't have to end in an orgasm to be a satisfactory sexual experience for, uh, for most women. Uh, hi, Laura. Yesterday I posed the following question to which I'm still interested in learning the answer. Okay, except that your question was confusing to me, so I'll, I'll read it, but you'll have, you may have to clarify. How would you categorize an apparent extreme self-sacrificing people pleaser who ultimately imposes rather what they believe is pleasing according to their personal definition upon others at the very expense of such individuals proper well-being and stubbornly continues to do so despite continuously bringing the obvious fact to their attention what are you saying here in simple terms exactly that they they do a whole lot of stuff for other people because they think it's what the other people need or because they think this they decide well, no, you need this. That's more arrogance than people pleasing in that case. So I'm, I'm not quite sure where you're going with that. Exactly. Uh, I would like to say that I'm in menopause, have little hot flushes, although heat and warm hot showers can set off a three to four hour hot flash. So I avoid them. Whoa, I uh, can't do much about summer heat waves. I also have had vaginal contractions while walking on the street at the Jazz Fest and even in a restaurant, which produced orgasms. My girlfriends don't believe me. Please elaborate. So there's something called persistent, um, how do you call it? it it's, a, it's a persistent arousal disorder, something like that. Um, I And it's not very little is known about why this happens. So either, um, I don't know if this happens to you, these contractions just in the summer, maybe the heat, there's more blood flow to the genitals. So your genitals are in a, in 
kind of in a constant state of arousal and they could be because of the heat. Uh, so that's a possibility. I'm curious to know if this same thing happens to you in the colder months, in the winter months. Let me know because this is interesting. It's unusual, uh, I have to say, but it's, we hear this mostly in um, women who are pregnant, especially in the second and third trimester when there's a lot of blood flow going down towards the baby and then pushing down into the genitals and often women will say that they're very they can easily orgasm uh, because of they're, they're like in a almost in a constant state of uh, of arousal 514-800 if you uh, have any questions or comments that you'd like to share I'd love to hear from you uh, I have recently met a woman and we have had intercourse to her complete satisfaction. She has been able to orgasm frequently and me, unfortunately, have not been able to ejaculate. I have not had intercourse with a woman in nearly two years. I had been masturbating and was able to ejaculate prior to meeting her. I care deeply for her and I'm getting frustrated about not being able to ejaculate. Could it be? Could it possibly be something physical with me? or uh, just mental and that's uh that's a good question because my job is to figure out okay is this could it be physical or is this something going on psychologically um and of course you know there's different questions uh, to ask but if somebody is able to have an orgasm through masturbation and not with their partner there's nothing wrong with them physically if they're able to have an erection when they're alone but not with the partner there's nothing wrong with them physically so it could be the stimulation they're receiving or something psychological going on it's it could very well be uh, related to performance anxiety. So if you haven't been with anybody in two years, maybe there's some anxieties about performing, performing well, holding on to, to the partner, not, not wanting to screw it up in any way. Uh, so this could be making you anxious. And that anxiety could could do a couple things. Either it could ha make you lose an erection, it could prevent you from having an orgasm, uh, or it can cause premature ejaculation as well. So um, other things that could be going on psychologically is fear of, of completely letting go, which uh, of course makes a person feel vulnerable when uh, when they uh, when they let go. So it could very well be your anxieties about, uh, about this relationship. So there's that, or, um, because you hadn't been with anybody in a long time and you were used to masturbation, I'm not sure if you were using visuals or what have you, but you're used, to, you could have gotten so used to your own hand and one way of stimulating yourself that, when a partner does it, or the uh, the environment of the vagina, for example, isn't enough uh, stimulation or what you're used to to get you there. So the best thing to do is not to worry about it so much. Uh, give yourself time, but in the meantime, stop self-stimulating. And uh, with time, you'll get to ejaculation with your partner as your body gets in your penis gets used to different, uh, different forms of stimulation. So try that. Um, if that doesn't work, then we can talk some more about whether it's, uh, 
what's going on in your head, which would be more about uh, your performance anxiety and what what could be some of the causes of this uh, of these anxieties. Coming up, more of uh, your questions. I've got uh, more questions about. Uh, orgasms that last a long time, uh, questions about premature ejaculation, and anything else you throw my way. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Trouble Tuesdays answering your questions. So a woman wrote in saying that uh, she has basically spontaneous orgasms anywhere, walking on the street, what have you. Um, And there is a name for this. Although, there's a little bit of a, a but. It's called persistent genital arousal disorder. And usually, it's unwanted. So, uh, it's unwanted and uncontrollable genital arousal in the absence of sexual stimulation. Um, and it doesn't usually, uh, people who experience this do not get a sense of release or relief even if they orgasm. So usually unwanted, but this person wrote back saying uh, that it happens at any time, so it's not, it can be at any seasons. I've had to stop on streets and hold on to something as as I orgasm. At the restaurant, I held the napkin over my face as I orgasmed. It was great not to have sex and get released. So you're not actually disturbed by it, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, and would it help to say that I've always been multi-orgasmic? So clearly it's easy for you to, to be orgasmic. Lucky you. Uh, for women who experience persistent genital arousal disorder, it's not lucky them. They do not feel lucky at all. They are actually quite distressed by it because it's very much uh, unwanted and unwelcome, which doesn't seem to be the case uh, with you. But we don't know why... the. the where this comes from. I think there's very little written about or very little research, but you could look it up again, persistent genital arousal disorder, and you'll get some, uh, some information. Um, let me see. There's a question here. I'm not, (laughs) yeah, no, I'm not answering that question. All right. My wife is 54 years old. Her orgasm lasts at least five minutes. Is this unusual? So another persistent orgasm here, but, uh, probably not distressing, probably multi-orgasmic so that usually there's in a, let's say in that five minute period, there are probably very short, uh, peaks and valleys like in, in succession. And so could feel like an extended five minute orgasm, but is actually probably, um, multiple orgasms right there. I'm 19 years old. Uh, some guys say my vagina pushes them out or I'm too tight. How do I loosen up? So, Sometimes it's about having control over your pelvic floor muscles. I think a lot of us women know very little about our inner workings and our whole pelvic area. And we get to learn about them often later in life after we've had kids and we realize, ooh, okay, it's uh, like when I cough, suddenly I'm, you know, letting out a little bit of pee. 
because that pelvic floor muscle has been stretched and we need to strengthen it. It's a, it's a muscle that has to be strengthened, but not just strengthened. You also have to learn how to release it. So you need to, um, if you can do some contractions of your pelvic floor area and then bear down where you're pushing out, you need to start feeling and maybe putting your finger in your vagina to see how it feels when you clench and release. The release part is actually the most important. Uh, so I'm not sure what's happening at that point, whether when entry happens that you're clenching, uh, around it before. Um, so you'd have to see, you can also practice with a, a dildo or there's things called dilators, which are like in different sizes. Basically it starts off with like the tampon size and then it keeps going up until you get to the penis size. So you, you get your vagina used to the different sizes to be able to stretch it. There's that possibility, uh, or you can just get different sized, uh, dildos and practice with this. And when you put this in, when you put a dildo in, you will be able to see yourself are you pushing it out? Cause you'll, you'll be holding it in your hand. Are you pushing it out? Are you uh, sucking it back up? Like, what are you doing with that vaginal, um, muscle? And I think that's, uh, that would be really important for you to learn, uh, about your body for all of us women actually to learn about our bodies. Should a married couple get the Gardasil, uh, injection as well? So the, you're talking about the HPV, uh, vaccine, which I believe is now recommended for up to the age of 45, if I'm not mistaken, uh, if you're sexually active, but if you're a married couple and I'm, let's assume you're both monogamous, you've chosen to be monogamous, or if you're not, and you're consensually non-monogamous that you're using condoms, but even condoms don't protect you against HPV because they are uh, skin to skin. It's a skin to skin virus that you can get. So basically Gardasil came out, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 10 years ago or so. Um, and at first it was, it was younger, uh, girls mostly that were getting inoculated for this so that before they became sexual, but then they discovered that even if you've been sexual, it would still be beneficial to have the vaccine. Now the vaccine, what it does is it protects you against, uh, uh, cervical, um, cancer, the strains that can cause cervical cancer. Still the best screening is still a pap test. So if your wife continues, uh, to go for her regular pap tests, then there's, and you're both monogamous. There's no need for, for, to, for you to get, uh, the, um, the vaccine as a, as a married couple. Um, text writes, I experienced the same spontaneous orgasms wherever I am, however, unrelated to present sexual stimulation. However, strictly when I'm involved within a romantic relationship, which initially aroused me to begin with. So I'm, I'm not sure what you mean. Uh, I'm 60 years old and my wife also, we've had, we've not had sex in over 10 years and don't miss it. Is this normal? You know, it's normal for you and each couple creates their own normal. So if the thing is, as long as nobody is distressed by it, because it, it becomes a dysfunction somewhere, 
if there's distress that's attached to it. If you're okay with it and she's okay with it and you maintain other forms of uh, intimacy like cuddling and holding hands and kissing and hugging, all of that, those are part of being sexual. So if the rest of it doesn't matter to either of you, then there's nothing wrong with you. You don't have to worry about it. Um, so we all have, we, as couples, we all create our own normal. When it becomes a problem is when one doesn't want and the other still wants to maintain uh, a sex life. Now, having said that, sexual activity is still good for you health-wise. It's good for your cardiovascular system. It's good for your immune system. So it, it's, it's a healthy thing for your body to keep the blood flowing basically. Uh, but doesn't mean that you have to engage in intercourse. It doesn't mean that you have to have, um, you know, a, a, an orgasm it, or an erection for that matter. It's just about getting the blood flowing. Uh, so just the, again, the spontaneous orgasm. So that's what starts the process. So what you're saying is you're having spontaneous orgasms when you are involved in a romantic relationship that is highly arousing to you that you probably think about. It's probably at the beginning of relationships. Does this happen when you're in a long-term relationship? Do you still experience this, you know, five years into a relationship or at the very beginning? Because at the very beginning of relationships, we often, uh, we, we, we have us uh, hormones go like, going through our bodies and our brains that are the lusty hormones that are there that can keep you in a state of, uh, it doesn't mean you have like, it's like a, a, an erection all the time, for example, if it was a guy, but it's, it becomes a bit obsessive, right? Like the beginnings of, of relationships. So you're, every time you think about them, it's arousing, you picture them, it's arousing. So it would make more sense that it would happen in those circumstances. I'm just wondering if it happens in all the other circumstances as well. That's it for the questions for tonight. Thank you all for spending uh, your time with me. Do appreciate it. I want to thank our technical producer, Dave Simon, as well. You can send me your questions, by the way, anytime you'd like uh, during the week. You can send them to me by email to laurie at drlaurie.com. You can uh, find me on social media at drlauriebetito, B-E-T-I-T-O. And don't forget, you can pick up all the podcasts of past shows on my website, drlaurie.com as well. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a wonderful rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. Mm-hmm.